You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you on this sunny, chilly, sweater Sunday kind of day. Unless you have kids that showed up in shorts today, that props to them. Good, good for them. But it's so good to see you as we continue in this big winter series. This is our big series for the winter that we're calling A Different Kind of Happy. And what we're doing as we look through this series is we're looking at how Jesus invited us to live a different kind of life that results or leads us to this different kind of happy. And the portion of scripture that we're looking at is known as the Beatitudes, which is the beginning of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're looking at this message. It's the, known as the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus himself to a crowd that had a, an intention and a desire to see a lot of things happen. And Jesus came to fulfill those things, but kind of in a different way. And so in this series, we're looking at the difference between normal happy versus this different kind of happy. Now, to be clear, normal happy isn't necessarily bad. In fact, most of the time, it's probably great. Normal happy is like the things that you look forward to. It's the things that make you smile. For instance, Matthew is just up here leading on the guitar. Like on his normal happy list is waking up at 4.30 in the morning on Saturdays to watch premier soccer, okay? That's on his list, not on mine, but hey, more props to you. It's the things that you look forward to, the things that make you smile. In fact, I walked around the office this week and I asked some of our staff, hey, what's on your normal happy list? So here are a couple of them. Paul said this, a road trip with my wife on a sunny day with a top down on the car. Probably not on this kind of a sunny day, but you know, I, I get it. That's a, that's a pretty good thing. Jen said this, a book that lingers with you even after it's finished. Uh, on the happy list, here are a few more. Amanda, a fresh warm towel out of the dryer. Sometimes it's just the simple things. Can I get an amen from somebody? Uh, here we go. Kendall, <laughs> serving an ace in pickleball. This seems to be uh, a rising on the happy list of people as pickleball takes over the world, uh, Kendall. And then Aaron said this, episode one of a new season of Survivor. I looked at that and I'm like, are there still new seasons of Survivor? And apparently there are. And apparently Aaron loves episode when, one when a new season begins again. Good enough for her. That's fine. But, but here's the deal. That's normal happy. Nothing wrong with it. We all have our own normal happy list. In fact, why don't you take a moment right now? Think of what's on your normal happy list. Turn to somebody and tell them what is on your happy list. Ready, set, go. Go ahead. Just go ahead. Talk about it. Chat about it about it. What's on the list? Think about it. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Oh, oh, laughing out loud back there. There's a surprise happy list. Okay. All right. So, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you ever want to get people to chat, uh, just talk, ask them to talk about what they like. I mean, it's just kind of chatter, chatter, chatter. It's normal. It's normal. But I think no matter what's on your list, I think that we can all agree that when we think of the things that make us happy, we also understand why the phrase happiness is fleeting is such 
a common phrase, that there can be this pursuit where our life centers around trying to go after and grasp what makes us happy. And we all know this, that so often that is just out of our grasp. And we try and we try and we try. And so often it leaves us exhausting, exhausted. So often it can even leave us depressed. When you're longing for this happiness and other people seem to have it and you can't get it and you think, I must not be able to be happy. I must not be able to be blessed. And even those of us who do find some of those things, we do grab onto it and we find out it's not fulfilling that it doesn't satisfy the way that we had hoped. And so Jesus comes and he recognizes that people have normal happy, recognizes that people will chase after that. And again, sometimes that's not necessarily wrong. But he came and he offered something more robust, more complete. And he taught us this, that God can be found and lives can be blessed in the midst of disappointing outcomes and unavoidable pain. That it's not just those who get what they want that are blessed. Like I was blessed to get the raise. I was blessed with children. I was blessed to be able to do that. And people go, so that must mean I'm not blessed. That must mean God wants to bless them, but not me. I must not be able to be blessed because I can't seem to find happy. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Your life can be blessed. There is, there is a different kind of happy that can occur in your life, no matter who you are, no matter what happens to you, even in the midst of disappointed outcomes and unavoidable pain, that you and I can live a blessed life even when we don't get what we were hoping to get on that normal happy list. So for today's message, we're going to look at what happens when we're in the midst of disappointment, when we're in the midst of, of unavoidable pain, specifically in life situations or in people situations where things are not going the way that we want. So again, I'm going to ask you to think of a list, but not a happy list. This is kind of a different list. I won't get any amens for this. There will be no happy chatter when we think of this list. But I want you to think of people that anger you, okay? I want you to think of people who irritate you, people who frustrate you, people who misunderstand you, and people who disagree with you, okay? Yay for church day, right? Like, okay, I'm thinking about this. I'm, I don't want to think about, I try my best to avoid thinking about this, but I really want you to think of, it could be, um, it could be a coworker. It could be an entire department. It, it could be your neighbor. It, it could be a family member. It could be an ex family member. And it's just this like, you just don't get it. You don't understand why they make the decisions they make. And, and you're just in this state of frustration. And as you think about these people, and we all have those people, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how do you interact with people that are on this list? And for most of us, we would say this, Brian, I don't interact with people like that. I try to avoid them at all costs. I separate my, from myself. I withdraw from them because they are on this list. Some of you might say, well, I wish I could withdraw. I can't withdraw. I live in the same house as them or I work at the same place. So I can't, so, so I can't withdraw, but I just, I kind of just simmer. I just boil low grade. My mind thinks poorly of them. I'm just kind of like stewing over it. Maybe others of you, you're like, I don't withdraw. I don't think about, 
I fight fire with fire. They come at me, I come at them. Elbow off the top rope, bam. I'm just, I'm just, it's go time. It's roll up the sleeves, let's go. And again, no matter what it is, whether it's withdraw, whether it's just kind of think about, whether it's, it's throwing some elbows, all of those responses are normal. They're normal because they are these kinds of people. My guess is, easy guess, that none of these things make you happy. You wouldn't say, I am blessed because of these people in my life, right? Again, not on our bucket list of happiest things to think about. Yet, what we're going to look at today is when Jesus approaches a people, a crowd, he teaches this crowd, and it was a crowd who, who wasn't just kind of happy and just kind of skipping through the fields. This crowd, I talked about this last week, were looking for miracles and healing. But beyond miracles and healing, this was also a crowd that was angry. This was also a crowd that was irritated and frustrated. This was a crowd that you could even say was oppressed by an entire government, a a Roman uh, tyranny that was oppressing the Jewish people. And they weren't just looking for miracles and healing. They were looking for justice on their terms. And they were ready for somebody, anybody, to come through and bring justice the way they wanted justice at any cost because they were ready for those people to get what they had coming to them. And Jesus seemed to be like that guy. He seemed to be like this awaited uh, promised Messiah. Maybe he's going to deliver the Jews. And they had this paradigm that, that, that was of one way. And Jesus wanted to make sure that they understood who he was. And not just who he was, the type of life that he was inviting us into. And he didn't just come up with a bunch of rules and a bunch of lists of things that we should do if we really love God. He actually said, hey, this way of life is a blessed life. This way of life isn't a have to or I guess I should. It's a when you understand it to the depths of your being, you will actually prefer it because there's a happiness that comes over you as you go away that isn't the natural and normal way. So Jesus addresses this crowd in Matthew chapter 5 to begin the Sermon on the Mount into the Beatitudes. And it says this in verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And again, we talked about this last week. On one hand, these people wanted miracles. He didn't just start dishing out miracles. You get a miracle. You get a miracle. There was something that he wanted to teach them, not just give them. Something to be formed in their identity of who they were. Not just a quick handout, but he wanted to form and shape them. And in this scenario that we look at today, when they also were angry, frustrated people, he wasn't just showing up to overthrow the bad guys. He was actually here to show a formation that should be taken inside of them, regardless of who else was out there. He began to teach them. And Jesus wants to teach something to you and to me. And before I get into this message any farther, I want to let you know that hopefully anytime someone speaks from this stage, whether it's me or somebody else, hopefully, and you should expect that every speaker from this stage has to wrestle first with the message before it's ever given. That's, that, that should be normal. But I want to let you know, as much as that is the norm, this message got to me. I mean, like I had to stop preparing my message 
And God's like, you don't get to deliver this until you work with this. I mean, deeply. And I had to stop my message that I was like, typing this stuff out. And God's like, "Uh uh-uh, you don't get to just say it. You got to work it. And so I had to stop and I had to engage in this message because here's the deal. I know you think, Brian, you're so nice. There couldn't possibly be anybody that frustrates you. There couldn't be possibly anybody that you're disappointed with or, or, or disagreement with or anything. Yes, there is, right? And I know you know that, but I was at a place where I had just kind of chosen to go one route and God's saying, if you're actually going to live this out, you got to go this route too. So I hope, I hope as God's worked in my heart, he'll work in your heart as well. And so we're going to look at how Jesus taught us to do something different, even with people who frustrate us or disappoint us or irritate us, or even, even to the level of oppress us. And we're going to look at the beatitude. Each week, we're looking at one of the different beatitudes. This week, he speaks specifically to this topic in verse 9, and he says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We'll look at all three of these words or or, or phrases, starting with this idea of blessed. Uh, Blessed is different. It's this Greek word, makarios, which means supremely blessed, by extension, fortunate, well-off, happy or happier. So when Jesus is saying blessed, he's saying happy. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And again, when we think of of this idea of, of happy, okay, this is good. And he says, happy are the peacemakers. And that would make sense if we were just talking about peace. But he's saying this, blessed are the peace." Let's go to the next slide. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemaker is different than just having peace. It would be normal for Jesus to say this. Blessed are the peaceful, for they will be called children of God. That's normal happy. Normal happy is, oh, oh, I'm just at peace. Yes, I am happy. I'm at peace because I am peaceful. There's no chaos in my life. All the crazies are over there, but I'm over here. Blessed are the peaceful, for they will be called children of God. And the Jewish people that Jesus was speaking to understood the idea, even the importance of Peace. In fact, the word peace is this word shalom. In fact, we have a definition here. Shalom, which is this really robust idea. Completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, and the absence of agitation or discord. Hallelujah. Give me some of that, Jesus. I need that kind of peace. Shalom. And in the Garden of Eden, the the earliest account, Genesis chapter 1, we see that God created us for shalom. Shalom is God's idea that God in in the garden, before there was sin, before there was brokenness, before there was agitation, this is what he wants for you, and this is what he wants for me. He wants us to experience shalom. The problem is is that normal happy is for me to be peaceful, except Jesus said, blessed are the what? Blessed are the peace. 
go to the next slide, maker, for they will be called children of God. He said, I don't want you to just have peace. I want you to be a peacemaker. Why? Because when you are a peacemaker, you will be called children of God. And think about this in the normal terms. When you think of children and their parents, children, they carry right or wrong, but in this sense, right, they carry the attributes of the family. In this case, they carry the attributes of, of, the, of Father God. And God, watch this, God doesn't just, he isn't just full of peace. God is the distributor of peace. God doesn't just have peace. God is the one who brings peace. And he says, when you are a peacemaker, you are blessed. You will be happy. I know it's kind of different, but you don't just hang out with peace. You actually walk into the chaos, into the frustration, into the agitation, and you actually bring peace. When you do that, you are like children of God. And that is very different than just hanging out on the island of peace. For instance, again, let's go through normal and different. Normal is that we retreat from conflict for peace. Here's chaos. We're like, peace, I'm out. And I retreat for peace. I retreat from conflict. This is why parents go into the bathroom and lock the door, whether they need to use it or not. Can I get a witness from somebody? Or are we just sitting there for 30 minutes looking at Instagram? Oh, God. Oh, just, just settle the war out there. I'm not part of the war. I'm just retreating from conflict for peace. Super normal. And again, when it's not in your house, it could be at work. It'd be like, I'm just not talking to that person. I'm going to retreat from conflict for peace. This is why we would like to have a spa day every day. Can I get an amen from somebody? Again, that's normal. And normal isn't necessarily wrong. It's not bad to go on vacation. It's not, a, it's not bad to take a break from the kids. It's not, it's, not a, it's not bad necessarily. But when that is our form of peace, we recognize that we have to retreat from it for it. Most of us will realize that when we retreat from it, it's actually not peace. It's more like escapism. You can escape from it, but you haven't solved it. The war is still going on in the living room with your kids. The agitation between coworkers still exists. You're just in the different part of the office. You're, you're, the conversation that you're not bringing up with your wife, you can have peace, you know, if you don't talk about it, but as long as you don't talk about it, but, but it hasn't been resolved. And so it's still there. And Jesus says, blessed are not just the peaceful, blessed are the peacemakers who go into the chaos and bring with it peace. Because here's what's different. Different is when you advance into conflict with peace. When you're a peacemaker, you don't just have peace. You actually enter, oh, that's the chaos. That's the bad relationship. That's what I've been avoided. I'm going to enter into it, and I'm going to bring with me peace. See, friends, there's a huge difference between having peace and making peace. And in the true sense of shalom, that shalom peace is not an island of peace. It is receiving peace and bringing peace with us. And when we do, we are like children 
of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And here's why. Look at this. We are never more like God than when we take the wholeness and completion, the shalom of God we have into a world filled with conflict and frustration. This idea of not just having peace, but being like God, who even in the creation story entered into the chaos and created life and light and brought beauty out of nothingness. Jesus entered into our broken world. He didn't just hang out in heaven with peace. He brought peace. And Jesus says, hey, instead of you being angry, instead of you being frustrated, instead of you being separate, I'm inviting you not to hate and point fingers and yell louder. I'm inviting you into this chaos to bring with you the peace of God that passes understanding. Much like first responders, and we have first responders here today and a part of our church, while, while everyone runs out for peace, they run into bringing peace. And we are so grateful for our first responders for doing that. And that is this picture of what God is inviting us into. And as easy as it is for us to be grateful for first response, as easy it is for us to, to make that connection metaphorically, it can be so hard for us when there is frustration and agitation and chaos to go, I'm called and it's not even, I'm called and I have to. It's not even my job. It's actually a blessing. It's actually a different kind of happy to go, okay, let's go. Let's leave the bathroom. Let's go mess with the kids again. It's a blessed life. Doesn't feel blessed, but it's a different kind of happy. And the more we understand this, the more we see God shaping and forming us into something more than we are when all we do is retreat. So today what I want us to do is I want to hold on to this simple truth, and it's this. When we experience peace in our hearts, we can extend peace with our lives. When we experience peace in our hearts, we can extend peace with our lives. It's a simple idea of we can't give what we don't have. We can't give peace if we don't have peace. And so normally we just retreat from it all. I can't give it. I don't have it. I'm just going to detach from it. But when you understand that peace is available, that God freely gives peace and God wants to give peace and you can have peace with God that you can experience this peace and then you can extend peace with our lives. So it begs two questions that all of us have to answer. If you can't give what you don't have, the first question is this, do you have it? Like, do you have peace? Are you experiencing the peace of God in your life, even in the chaos of your life? Or is it dependent on spa day and retreats and vacations and the right people who vote like you or look like you or act like you? And as long as you're not over there, you can have peace. But do you have peace? Are you experiencing peace? That's the first question. Just do you have it? And the second question is, are you giving it? Are you bringing peace into the chaos that you would naturally prefer not to be a part of? Do you have it and are you giving it? So let's start with do you have it? 
I'm about to read you some really good verses, you guys. You may not say amen out loud, or you may, I don't know. But even if you don't say it out loud, my hope is when you hear these scriptures, there would be this, thank you, Jesus. Because God wants to give you peace. He wants to give it to you so you can distribute it from you. Romans chapter 5, beautiful scripture says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Friends, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what chaos in your life, if you're trying to figure out, maybe you're like, I'm in church, but I'm far from God, or I'm in church, but I'm, I'm trying to understand what following Jesus is, is really about. Friends, this, this right here is the gospel message. This is good news, that before uh, uh, Jesus died on the cross, before he paid the price, we were at war with God. We were separated from God. We had chaos with God. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, because he he died on the cross for our sins and died the death we could not die so that we could live the life we could never live because of what Christ has done for us. We are made right with God. We can be at peace with God, no longer at war with God, no longer rejected with God, no longer running from God. We have peace because of what Christ has done for us. Amen, somebody. This is such good news. This is good news because it means that we can all have it. It's not like, what are you doing? How are you doing? What's your tone of voice? Have you earned the right to have peace? No, no, no. Christ did it for you. Christ did it for me. He came to us just like, again, the Garden of Eden. What happened in chaos? What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Jesus came. God came, right? He came and he sought after to redeem and to restore. And that's what God wants to do with you. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Brian, if I'm honest, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm trying to figure it out. The good news is, is that Jesus has already paid the price. So you don't have to know the secret handshake, the secret, secret password. You don't have to jump through a bunch, bunch of hoops. By grace, by faith, we, we choose, we believe that what Christ has done is sufficient. And we receive his, his grace. It's kind of like this. If I can use a little bit of an illustration, we'll see if, if this works for you. But let's say you're just a starving person. You're just so hungry and you're literally starving and there's this pantry and inside the pantry, there is all this food, more than you could ever imagine, but the door is locked and you try everything that you know to do to get into that door, but it is locked. You try to say the magic word. You try to ask very nicely. You try to be polite and good or gooder. You do all the things, but you... You have no access into that pantry. What Christ did on the cross is the key that you need. It gives you access through what Christ has done to experience all that God has for us, to be made right with God, to be made friends with God, no longer apart from God. Christ is the key. And so we can't just try to like muster up peace. Okay, I'm going to be peaceful. And this is what some of you do in the bathroom. Okay, scroll, 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 scroll. Okay, deep breath, deep breath. <sighs> okay, they won't always be like this. It's a phase. 
I'm going to go in there, and I am going to bring peace. Here we go. You're good enough. You're smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like you. Boom. And you, you walk out there, and you do your very best. You do your very best. Again, no, no, no problem with that. That's, that's at least an effort. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about receiving peace that only Christ gives us through the cross that makes us right with God, that changes who we are. But then... For so many of us, it's not this like, I have a key. Let's play the illustration out a little bit farther. It's like having the key, opening up the door, and you have access, but there are so many Christians. You believe in Jesus. He's the risen Savior. He was crucified, buried, raised again. He's the Son of God. You have access, but you're actually not opening up the food that is available and receiving it because once you have access, you still need to say, Jesus, I need your peace. Day in, day out, it's not like back on April 4th, 1976, I received peace with God and now I'm just living in peace. No, because there's still chaos in this world. And so we still receive peace throughout our lives in each and every situation. In fact, ladies, for those of you that are in women's community, you're going through uh, Philippians on your Tuesday study. Here's a scripture that talks about that in Philippians chapter four. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing to the church of Philippi, those who already believed in Jesus. But he is writing to the church, and he says, you have access to Jesus, but come on. He's saying to the church in every situation, by prayer and petition, go to God, go into the pantry, and receive a peace that will transcend your understanding, that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He's saying, I will give you peace Jesus will give you peace that it be, is beyond comprehension that will guard your hearts. When we experience peace in our hearts, we can extend peace with our lives. And Jesus is the key to receiving the peace that we need. Do you have it? Do you believe in Jesus? That's the first question. Have you received Jesus? The second question, though, for those of you who believe, are you seeking the peace of God, not as an escape, but receiving the peace of God because you want to extend it with your lives? This next scripture should give hope to every person in the room. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace when, let's say it out loud, at all times. And how? Let's say it out loud. In every way. Come on, somebody. I'm so glad this verse is in the Bible. If you highlight verses in your Bible, this verse should be highlighted. You should circle it, star it. You should fold the page over. Or for those of us that no longer have paper Bibles, highlight that thing on your phone. Because it says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Not, not sometimes. Not in most ways, but it says at all times in every way. In other words, there is no situation that is beyond God giving you peace for. 
It is at all times. When you have to get into the muck and mire, when you have to go into the trenches, when you feel like you are a first responder and it's right in front of you and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know if I can have peace. I'm just going to have to muscle through this one. No, 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 no. Our God is the God of peace and he will give himself, he will give you peace at all times and he will give you peace in every way. Jesus is the key, but we need to seek it out. We need to say, God, I want to experience your peace in every situation at all times in every way. Let's go back to our, our phrase here. When we experience peace in our hearts, we can extend peace with our lives. Do you have it? You can have it. Jesus freely will give it to you. But the second question is, as you receive it, that question is, are you willing to give it? And I want to focus on a particular phrase here, and that's this word, can. When we experience peace in our hearts, we can extend peace with our lives. It says can, not automatically will. Because you can hang out over here and do your devotions and pray to Jesus and put on your worship music and hang out with your little, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you little, little small group and your people that just kind of coddle you? And you can stay here and just keep on asking for peace and never actually go into the chaos of life. And Jesus loves you asking for it. Jesus loves you in a small group of people who support you in it. But if I'm honest, and I don't think you'll disagree with me, Jesus is over here. And while we're in our little holy huddles, he's like, are you coming with me? Or are you hanging out over here? Because who is Jesus? He is the God of peace that entered into our chaos to bring us peace. And we are called to follow him. And our church, Willamette Christian Church, cannot be a gathering of people that huddle up and we got our little holy huddle and we sing our songs and we say, amen, Pastor Brian, that's a good sermon, Pastor Brian. Well, most of the time, you know, and just saying all these types of things and we have our friends, but man, I can't stand that political party. And man, I can't stand people who talk like that. And man, I can't stand my coworker and my ex and this and that and they, 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 but at least we have us. You can extend it, but it's not automatic. You got to choose to extend it. Just like Jesus. Before this analogy falls apart, Jesus is the key, opens the door. We can receive it, but there's more than we need. We can bring that peace. We can bring that food and distribute it to the starving as well. Are we going to extend it? And this is where I got stopped in my tracks. Because little Pastor Brian over here, sitting at his table, just Bible open, got my commentaries and doing all this research. And oh, God is the God of peace, blah, 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 blah. Liked it so far. Good stuff. Now we're going to extend it. Okay. And I read this next verse and it got me. And I had to stop. And here's why. James chapter 3, verses 16 and 7 through 18 says this. Whenever people are jealous or selfish, they cause trouble and do all sorts of cruel things. But the wisdom that comes from above leads us to be pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. When peacemakers plant seeds of peace... 
They will harvest justice. What do peacemakers do? They plant seeds of peace. Where people have been wronged, where feelings have been hurt, where friendship has been broken, where there is misunderstanding, where people have been canceled, where there is separation for whatever reason, peacemakers plant seeds of peace. And I was thinking about my life. I was realizing that I had some issues and frustrations and disappointments and disagreement. And I wasn't doing all kinds of evil. I wasn't doing cruel things. I was just not doing anything. And I was staying over here. And I realized that God was asking me to be planting seeds, not of rightness, not of correction, not of, well, they better get to understand my, my way before, no, no, to just plant seeds of peace. Here's what I realized. We are all planting seeds. What kind of seeds are we planting? We're all planters. We're all farmers here. We're all planting something. And by doing nothing, come on, somebody, you're planting something. Who's with me? They know you guys don't talk regularly anymore. They know that there's a discord. They know that you're frustrated. They know that you've kind of given up and just like canceled out. They know how you think of their political beliefs. They know how you think about their religious beliefs. Whatever it is, they know by doing nothing, you're planting something. And again, sometimes we just plant something. And it's arguing and disagreeing and all sorts, all sorts of, when it's our way. In fact, Sherry, would you go back a slide? Let's, let's, let's go back one. Whenever there's jealousy or selfishness, we cause all kinds of trouble. Do all sorts of cruel things. And sometimes, and you know this because you've probably received it, sometimes silence is so cruel because you want them to suffer. But the wisdom from above is completely different. It plants seeds of peace. We're all planting seeds. Here's another way to put it. We're all building something. Are you building bridges or walls? Now, some of you have heard this, the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking. To keep the peace is just like, you know, two dogs are fighting, rah, 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 and you're like, I'm here to just keep the peace. They don't need to be besties. Just separate, right? And you keep the peace, a peacekeeper. Unfortunately, we have first responders that have to keep the peace because there isn't a resolve on the two sides to love each other, and so they have to do. And that, again, that's not bad. At some point, you just need pe people to not kill each other. At some point, you need dogs not to kill. Just keep the peace. You separate. But peacemaking is not separating. Peacemaking is where you build bridges rather than walls. And I recognized that I was building walls with my silence. I was building walls of separation. And they're fine. If they're going to do that, fine, 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 fine. But I was not walking into the chaos with these attributes of peace. Let's look at that list of people again real quick. <laughs> the not fun to look at list. You know those people? You know what? This might not even be those people. This could be moments in relationships that are actually good. 
So it's like, like my wife and I, we, we have a good marriage. I love her. How many of you know that it's not much of a confession to say, sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get irritated, frustrated, right? It's in the moment. And so I have to ask myself, it's not that I'm separated from my wife. It's when I'm in that moment of those things, am I coming to plant seeds of peace? Or am I building, even if it's just temporary, I'm building a wall of pain. Are you planting seeds of peace? Or are you building walls of separation? I think a lot of us, we like that separation. We say something like, you do you, boo. And by the way, I hate you, right? Like, like this is just the, this, this, like, this is our resolve. And we probably don't sound like that talking out loud, but we feel that way. And we might feel convinced through a message like this, be like, fine, fine. I will go over there and I'll make an effort. Fine. No, 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 no. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Like when you actually get this, it's not fine. It's like happy are those Happy are those when you no longer build walls but bridges. And I want, I want to make sure when we look at, let's go back to, to these attributes because these attributes are described by James. How are we going to walk into these conversations? We're going to be pure and friendly, <laughs> gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. Let's just, for a moment, We'll move on because it'll trigger. But let's just think about Republicans and Democrats real quick, right? Those are the dogs. Peace keep. But can you imagine if we just, people who are not like us, think different, vote different, and we're just pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. That coworker that you're just like, Ugh. if you're like, I can't change them, I'm not going to try, I'm not here to win the war, but whenever I'm around that person, I am going to receive peace and I'm going to bring peace that looks pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, and sincere. Your ex that, man, bad things happened and it's there and you can't go back and fix everything, but you can say, well, I can receive peace and whenever I'm around that person, I'm going to be pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine. So why? Because peacemakers plant seeds of peace. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And before I move on, before we wrap up this message, I, I need to say something very clearly. Because some people, and rightfully so, you're saying, Brian, there are such things as boundaries. There are such things of going, I cannot go there because it is an unsafe place for me to go. And I 100% agree. 100% there are scenarios and safe places where because of whatever's happened in your life, that is a boundary that you should not cross and you need to forgive in your heart. You need to be kind however you can. But this isn't about just going back and just saying, okay, I guess I'm supposed to build a bridge. But I think most of us, most of us in, I'll say a lot of scenarios, claim that we need boundaries when really what we just want to do is build walls. And God is saying, I'm cool with boundaries. I'm not cool that you use boundaries for your reason not to build bridges in all the other situations of your life. Let's not be people that use boundaries as an excuse to keep us from the bridges in the other scenarios that God is inviting us into. Who's with me on this? 
fact, the Apostle Paul, I think he saw this coming, especially between the Jews and the Romans, and just this hostility of like, I gotta, I gotta take matters in my own hand. We'll just be run over as a country if, if we let them do. It. Uh, uh, in fact, the the um, there was uh, Josephus would say this historian would say that there was a rise of banditry going on amongst the Jewish people, taking matters into their own hands, and, and uh, the Zealot movement. Movement. Some of you have heard of Simon the Zealot. These were people who used political uh, reasons. Uh, or religious reasons to take political action to get their way, to kind of force government to change. And in a way, on the extremist sides, that's happening today. And Paul would be like, hey, 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 yes, it's a two-way street. Yes, you need to have boundaries. But look at what he says in Romans chapter 12. He says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Here's this big word again. Live at peace with people who are like you. Live at peace with people who, no, no, live at peace with everyone. And yes, it's a two-way street. And yes, your spouse may. And yes, that neighbor might. And yes, that coworker. But as far as it depends on you, you we decide, I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to plant seeds of peace. I can't predict the outcome. I'm not trying to win the argument. I am just committed to building bridges rather than walls. And friends, Jesus is not just the one who taught this. Jesus is the one who modeled it. Everything flows through what God gives us through Christ to be distributed and to give us the strength to bring peace into our chaos. In fact, this is why we do communion. In fact, if, if you will, will you just hold on to, we're not quite ready to partake in communion, but will you hold on to the elements that were handed to you? And in a moment, we'll partake in communion. And it's just an invitation. It's not an obligation. So even if you don't participate, you can still receive something from this. Because we look to Jesus and we remember what Christ has done for us. The reason every week we are handed these elements, a little piece of bread, a little cup of juice is to remind us of a God who did not just have peace, but he brought peace. In the midst of chaos, Jesus did not stay with his Father in heaven, but he entered into it. And then he tells a crowd of frustrated, irritated, even oppressed people, he says, I know what's normal. I know what will normally make you happy, but I have a blessed life for you and it's actually going right back into the chaos. And you may not even win. You may actually have to lay down your life. You may actually see people rise above you. And there will be injustice. But as far as it depends on you, you bring the method of heaven to establish the kingdom of heaven. And that is by allowing God's grace to model what Christ did for us. You see, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Jesus is the ultimate bridge builder, wall destroyer. 
He brought peace to us through his sacrifice on the cross. There were Jews and Gentiles. There was this disagreement. There was war. And instead of, well, the Jews are God's people, so they can be made right with God. Everyone else is on their own. He goes, no, this is an equal opportunity bridge. Whoever would receive it. And Jesus knew what you and I know, that we can offer peace, but peace also has to be received. And there would be people who would reject Jesus. And there will be people who reject you. But as far as it depended on Jesus, he made the sacrifice to make it possible. And as far as it depends on you and me, we are invited and we are even blessed to be peacemakers. One final time, when we experience the peace in our hearts, we can extend peace with our lives. Let's be people that plant seeds of peace. And I can tell you from personal experience, I know this is a small sample size. It's just one person, one experience. But when I stopped my message, I made some phone calls. I sent some text messages. And I built bridges that I had no desire to build before I wrestled with this. And I even had some people reach back out to me. And I even had a, a couple situations, a couple conversations, some, some bridge building. And you know what's weird? It's not that I won. It's not that I solved a problem. But I can tell you this. After crossing that bridge, do you know on the inside of me is a different kind of happy? That I would rather have sent those messages and made that effort and lived this kind of a life than be a dad, husband, pastor who just kind of has some people that I've built a wall from. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Let's remember this. We are never more like God. Never more like God when we take the wholeness and completeness, the shalom of God we have into a world that desperately needs it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So here's what we're going to do. The band is going to sing one final song, a chance for us to respond. What I would like you to do is I would like for you to take communion on your own time when you're ready. As you think about the peace that Christ has given to you, that so freely offers to you, as you think about the peace that Christ is inviting you to bring, and as you do, you take that bread and you remember that Christ's body was broken and given for you. He experienced bodily pain. He left heaven so that you could have access to this peace. As you drink the cup, remembering that this juice represents his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins, that you don't have to work your way up to God. Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly in this different kind of life. So I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. You partake in communion. And let's all let God continue to have our hearts as we give him our lives. Jesus, we come before you. You are the hope. You are the source. You are the answer. God, I pray that we wouldn't try harder, that we wouldn't just feel obligated to, but we would taste and see that the Lord is good. We would receive from the Lord of peace, that you would give us peace. And then, Lord, that you would give us the courage to run into situations that we've run out of, that we would bring these attributes into conversations and situations 
as we become the people of God that you designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.